0: I think that God had something planned for me to do with women because I wasn't supposed to have children and yet, by a miracle, God started to give me children. Now, just a girl after a girl after a girl after a girl. I want to introduce you to my daughters. Um, two of them were just dancing, so they're going to come back out for a minute. Julie! Jess! And Jamie, come on up. And Gemma, where's Gemma? Just for a second, darling, come up. Here they come. Come up here. This is why I love women. Look what God gave me. Aren't they amazing? Aren't they amazing? For a woman who couldn't have babies, I did good, didn't I? And now, guess what? I now have a little granddaughter As well. Now listen, this is Jilly, eldest, Jessica, Jamie, or Jamie Lee, and Gemma. I'm Julie, my mum's Jill, and we just had Joey. That's so amazing, isn't it? Thanks, girls. Give them a clap. Girls. So, my husband has this house just full of women, and now he's got a granddaughter as well. It's like, He is so good at it now. He's just so good. He knows how to be quiet and just listen and not give any opinions. Just sit there and listen. And like in this place too, like I have just so many daughters. I mean, Lisa there, doesn't she look like me? She looks more like me than her own mother, I reckon. So does Haley. looks like me. Stand up, Haley. This is another adopted daughter. Look, just looks like me. They start, except candles. I haven't been able to change her hair color yet, but she's, and Gail, like, I don't know if you'll ever look like me, Gail, but anyway, I love it. I love women. I love who they are, and I love what they do, And, and God, a long time ago, God just set me aside, and he said, Julie, I want to show you something, and in this vision that he showed me, I was like dressed in this beautiful gown, like a queen. And I had a crown on my head and a scepter in my hand. And I was walking. And I, behind me, there were all these women that were carrying my train and carrying my train along. And then gradually, as they walked along, they started to walk from behind me, they started to walk beside me. And I looked alongside of me, and they were wearing gowns just like mine. And then as I watched, they started to walk ahead of me. And their gowns became more beautiful than mine, their crowns became larger and more glittering than mine. I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, Julia, I've called you as a mother, like Deborah was called as a mother over Israel. I've called you as a mother over women. And I'm going to get you to call the daughters of destiny. And at first, they'll just walk behind you, listening to what you say, being encouraged by your words, being encouraged by your love and by your cuddles and by your compassion and by the knowledge that you see into them but eventually they'll walk alongside of you and they'll do what you do and they'll do it better. And then gradually they'll walk past you and they'll be ever so more glorious than you ever were. And I just said, oh God, let it be. And since that day, God has just given me a compassion and such a heart for women. When I was praying for this conference here, I knew the Lord had a special word. And I thought, Lord, how can I prophesy you know, prophecy is when you get a gift from God where you hear God speak and sometimes God just speaks through you to an individual and gives them a message. And I have that gift. And I said, but God, how can I just prophesy over all these women? You know, what is that, nearly 90 women in this room. How can I do that? You know, we just haven't got the time to do that, even though I would love to do that. And he said to me, I'll give you a word, a You know, the Word of God that is going to speak to every woman in this place. And individually, I'll have words for women as well. But this Word, I really believe that I downloaded this Word for you tonight. And I pray in Jesus' name that you'll be able to take it into your heart and really let it work its way into you and let it bring revelation to your eyes. Amen. Let's just pray. Oh, Heavenly Father. You are just so amazing, so beautiful, so awesome, so personal, so close, and so real. Abba, Father, come, Daddy, wrap your arms around your daughters tonight and let them hear your voice, let them feel your breath upon their face. Let them feel the flow and the overflow of your love over their very inner beings. And, Lord, speak to them in the name of Jesus, individually and corporately. Amen. I just want to start with the scripture in Genesis here, and it says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air, and he brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man named each living creature, that was its name. And so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And when he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And I was thinking about that day when God first made woman. And when he presented her to the man, he would have been in the garden and this woman would have just began to walk towards him. But in the woman's heart, she knew she had been made for a purpose because it said there was no suitable helper that was found for the man. She knew that she had a purpose in being made, but it was up to the man whether he recognized that purpose in her or not. You see, she knew that as she walked towards the man, that he had to choose her. And woman, since that day, since that day in the garden, has felt that innate knowing, that she was made to be chosen. Amen? Because she was made the crown of all creation, the most beautiful of all creation, and then she was put on display, and she was made to be chosen. I just want to show you something. Anybody seen the movie Avatar yet? It's a little strange, but anyway, we can draw something out of it tonight. I want to just show you a little clip from that that will help explain this chosen. You are a multikaya now. You may make your bow from the wood of home tree. And you may choose a woman. We have many fine women. Ninat is the best singer. Well, I don't want Ninat. <sighs> Peral Hunter, yeah, she is a good hunter. I've already chosen, but this woman must also choose me. She already has. Is that beautiful? See how in there that was she was saying, You have to choose. And that this woman was waiting to be chosen. She's saying, that woman there is great at that. But you need to be chosen for who you are. And we as women, we continuously do that. I mean, you think about as a little girl, anybody had one of those dresses that goes like ray out? You know those dresses? Unless you're a tomboy and you kind of just went, no, I'm never going to wear one of those dresses. But every little girl would put a dress on at some stage, even if it's not in public, and spin around like this. And you would spin around in front of your daddy. Say, Daddy, Daddy, am I pretty, Daddy? Am I pretty? And you'd spin your dress around. Am I pretty, Daddy? Am I pretty? Because right in the side of you right then, you're saying, Daddy, choose me. Choose me as the most beautiful girl in all the world. Choose me as the most special girl in all the world. And we grow up and we start to prepare ourselves to be chosen by that someone special. I mean, any of you ever read, I mean, I don't know if they have them around these days, but I used to read Mills and Boone. You know, like 13 years old, I'd be in my bedroom, locked away with this book, you know, just working out this whole love thing, you know, that... That, that yes, yeah, she goes off into this castle to be a maid, but the man that owns the castle, he can't take his eyes off her. And he, every time he walks past her, his heart flutters, but he knows he shouldn't love a maid. But she's chosen to be there and she's supposed to be there and he's going to fall in love. And he just can't wait to get the end of the book when he finally says, I choose you. Because that's what it's all about. That's what love is all about. And so we as girls, we, we know that from even from a little girl growing up, this is the thing that's on us, that we've been made to be chosen. And so we get to teenagers, and I know my dad used to, you know, he had a house full of girls too, and he, he just could never get in the bathroom because there was always someone in the mirror. I mean, just taking forever. I think I used to take about two hours to get ready to go out when I was 13. I mean, so much makeup. I would just cake it on. And, like, the mascara was like... You know, you just and you just couldn't shut your eyes, Gail. You just had to walk around like this. And then the jeans. I mean, we had these jeans that were called staggers, right? They were like, yeah, they were like bell bottoms. And the waist was up to here, girls. You talk about high waist, low waist. These were high, high waist. They were like up here. And they were so tight that you had to lay down on the bed. I used to get a coat hanger in the zipper. And you'd lay down on the bed and you'd pull it up. Take the coat hanger out and then you had to go flick yourself up, you couldn't sit down all night, and you would waddle like this with these big shoes, big platform shoes. Ridiculous. But you'd do anything to be chosen. And then you go out and you'd you know go to a party or a dance or something like that. And you'd just, you know, walk in the door, looking around. Who's gonna choose me? Does anyone find am I the most beautiful woman in the world? And am I the one are they gonna look across the room, look at all the other girls and then just go, I choose you. You know, and you just you live with that expectation, don't you? You live with that feeling, choose me, choose me, choose me, choose me. So then finally you get chosen, you get asked on a date. Finally someone chooses you. And you go out on the date. How much time do you take to get ready? I mean, for a guy, he's going out on a date. He kind of chooses what he's going to wear about five minutes before he goes. For a girl, a week before, you can't sleep. You wonder You don't eat because you want your stomach to be flat. So, and you don't eat garlic. No, no garlic for a week. Just make sure that that breath is sweet. Amen. And then you're working out what you're going to wear. You're going, you're choosing it. Then you're just like, for days, you're just like, what am I going to say? What am I going to, you know, what, will I just hold my cup like this? Or will I hold it like this? Will I eat really sloppy? What if he likes really delicate eaters and I should eat delicate? And all the time, you're going through all this drama. I've got written here. She spends all week thinking about what she will wear, what she will say, how she will act. She laughs at his jokes, even if they aren't funny. She will say she likes things he likes, even if she doesn't. She says she's not hungry when she's starving. She's not cold, even when she's freezing in a little black dress on a winter's night. And all these things she does, all because she says, choose me. Or because she's that woman in the garden again that's standing there waiting to be chosen, waiting to be chosen by that special one. And then he takes her out a few times and and she's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for the big question. You know, the big question. Like, stand up, stand up. Like you had a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> The big question and the big rock, you know, and sometimes they take ages, don't they, to ask that question? My husband was the slowest man ever, and I lived up the coast, he was in Sydney. I Every weekend, he would come up to see me. And every weekend, I'd be going, this is going to be the weekend. He's going to ask me. I just know he is. i would get myself all beautiful. I would spend hours doing my face and getting all ready. And he'd come up the coast. He'd visit with me for a while. And then he'd kiss me. Bye. See you next week. Every week. Like, this is like eight months. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. It got so frustrating that me and mom, we decided we'd just make the wedding dress in our spare time while we were waiting, we did, and we made the wedding dress, it's in the cupboard, I'm waiting, every time he comes up, mum goes, this is going to be the day, I just know it, I know this is going to be the day, this is it, and every time, no, nah. it's just so strong, at making decisions, he still is, it drives me nuts, because I'm like, now, nah. and anyway, this one day he came up, and I had the whole makeup thing going on, and I just look great. I knew this is going to be the day. And then he comes in the house, he asks to see my dad. Yes! He asks to see my dad. This is it. This is it. This is it. And I'm so excited. So I go and put more makeup on. And I'm just like, yes! And I'm going to look so beautiful when he proposes to me, just like in the movies, you know, just going to be, I will. Or something, you know? And so he says, he comes out from seeing my dad, and my dad, I'm looking at my dad and going, dad won't give nothing away. And Phil says, come on, let's go down the beach. I'm going to the beach with make makeup on. I don't want my makeup on. So I thought, that's alright. I'll wear my really nice cosy and I'll just lay out on the beach and wait. And so I've gone to the beach. I'm laying out in the sand thinking, and he's looking at me thinking, I know. I know you think I'm gorgeous. Any minute he's going to ask me. Any minute now he's going to say it. And he says, oh, I'm just going to go for a swim. Do you want to come in? And I went, mm, I don't really want like to swim, but I, you know, I, I want him to ask me. I want him to choose me. So I'll do anything except get the face wet, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I go in up to here. He dives in. He does the whole hunky muscle thing. And I'm looking at him going, oh, man, he's going to ask me. And he looks so hunky. Dives in the water. And I'm standing there by the shore just, now it's a real movie, I think, oh, he's going to ask me that he's going to, I'm going to lay out in the sand, he's going to kiss me all over the sand, <laughs> you know, like in the movies, the wave's going to roll over us, it's going to be gorgeous, this is better than I expected, I'm standing there, and he starts walking towards me, out of the sea, and I'm going, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes, and this what great wave, whack, and I've got pummeled, I'm under the water, pummeling under the water, whack, and I stand up. I've got I've got sand in every hole, and I'm going. The mascara's doing this. The hair's like that, and I can hardly breathe. And he says, "Will you marry me?" <laughs> Honestly, I said, "Not now. It's not like this." Anyway. I used, You know, I had these really vibrant yellow eyes when I was younger. And people used to always say, oh, your eyes, they're so amazing. You know, they're just a great color. And when I met Phil, I was doing like the whole <laughs> waiting, you know, because people always commented on my eyes. And he was just so slow at coming on to the fact that I liked him. So I'm doing and, uh, and he And he says, oh gee, your eyes are an unusual colour. bit yellow, aren't they? I said, oh, yes, they are. I said, you ever been checked for hepatitis? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, but he chose me with all my warts. Anyway, and we're still together 25 years later, so I guess it, it was a good thing. Oh, it was a good thing. And, you know, the beautiful thing about my husband that he keeps choosing me. Some guys, they get married, they choose you, and then they forget to keep choosing you. Amen. It's important that they keep choosing us. And so there's this place where we're wanting to be chosen. Why do we want to be chosen? I think one of the things in the Garden of Eden was this, was that they were able to see each other. And I think that when we're doing all the stuff, when we're doing all the makeup, when we're doing... We just want someone to see us, is that right? Like we just want someone to say, I see you. Out of all the women in the world, I see you. You are the most beautiful. You are the most special. I love the way you laugh. I love, you know, this about you and that about you. I love these special things that make up who you are I love your personality you want someone to look in and inside of you and in this movie Avatar I want to show you another clip they, they say this amazing word they say this as a greeting they say I see you and in it that was interpreted from their language as I see into you just have a look at this and i guess that's just what we want right there is that we want someone to look at us and as they said there i see you but with we want someone to say not just i see you but i see into you i see into you and so We get to this place where we're married now. The wedding day is long gone. The first baby's here. And then you wonder, does he still see me? Does he still choose me? Am I still special? And you start to feel less and less special because, you know, that that first romance is wearing off and suddenly it's not feeling you anymore. You know, sometimes it's like that with teenagers too. You know, when you're little and you're growing up I mean, you just, your parents are everything. They're everything. And, and you think that your parents know everything. And they've got everything in hand. And then you start to grow up. And you wonder if your parents see anything. And the, and then you just, they don't understand me. They don't understand me anymore. No one understands me. And as teenagers, we can go through that whole time where we just push everybody away because no one sees into me. And then we'll get on the internet and on onto on these things and, And hope that somebody on there, in that little box, will see me. And we post photos of ourselves on Facebook. And we tell little stories about ourselves. Somebody out there might see me. Because I don't feel like anybody's seeing me. Do you understand? I mean, sometimes you can go to church. And when you first come to church, it's like, it's great. It's like, church is just great. Like, everybody can see me. And I feel like part of a family. And then you just get in the emotions of it and you, saw, you know you realise they're all human beings and it's like I thought they could see me but they can't I'm out of here I've got to go and find someone who can see me who can see into me amen mums you know when your kids are little it's just so cool like now when I'm spending time with my 7 month old granddaughter she just wraps around arms around my neck and she looks into my eyes and it's just like she's all mine. She's all mine. And and there's nothing that I can do wrong. There's nothing she can do wrong. I just love it love it to pieces. And like when kids are little as parents it's like you're just lapping all that love up that they give to you. And then you get to a day where they're just looking at you with these ugly stares and they you know they call you like a nerd or no they don't use those words these days they loser Do you know what my kids did to me? Yeah. This is like years ago. This is when we first were starting the youth group, yeah. And so we were trying to get to know all the kids who were coming to youth that didn't yet go to church. And so I was dropping my girls off at youth, and they went, Oh, Mom, there's a new sign that you can say, I love you. You know how you tell everyone that you love them? I said, Yeah. There's a new sign. You just go like this. I love you. I love you. Like that. And so when you drop us at youth, just do that to the kids, at the youth group They'll just really feel loved You know So I dropped the kids off And there was one guy out the front I'm going oh, like this And he's just like oh. And like and then my girls started laughing No more means loser, loser You know And so it's like that with your kids Like one minute, you know It's like mommy, I love you And they're writing you little letters And sticking little cards under your bed And then it's me, it's like Loser what do you know <laughs> you know and and it's like and then you wonder you know and your kids get to young adults and they've got their own life and it's like you know miss independent age and don't need you anymore and and then you just wonder do your kids see you anymore like am i special anymore like and i guess that's what's so beautiful about mother's day that once a year we get You know, they're nice to us. (laughs) My girls are always nice to me anyway. I'm not talking about my children. They're amazing and beautiful and just normal anyway. But you see, we're always, always in our lives just going about either saying, choose me, or saying, see me see into me. Somebody look inside me. But since the fall of man this is the news since the fall of man no human being can see into you perfectly. It's a it's an unrealistic expectation to put on any human being to see into you perfectly. In Genesis 2.25 it says the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. This is in the garden before the fall. And let me just explain that word naked there because a lot of people just think, oh yeah, they were like without clothing. But the word naked there actually means spiritually, physically and emotionally transparent before one another. That's what that word means man and the woman were naked before one another and they felt no shame and something happened in the fall where no longer as human beings even as husbands and wives could we actually be that transparent with one another because of all our stuff that put walls up that divided us And all the sin and all the pollution and all the stuff that happens to us separates us and divides us more and more and more and more until we become people that no one really understands except the one who made us. And the enemy would use this just in the garden when he went to Eve and said, Did God really say? Does God really know you, Eve? Does God really know and want to give you the best or is there more for you, Eve, outside of God? The same lie, the same destruction wants to get into our relationships right now, into our friendships, into our families, into our marriages, into our parenting relationships, into our workplaces. You see, when we put all our hope in a human being of any description to see into us and to choose us and to see us as we really are, then we'll be bitterly disappointed. Our chips will be broken all the way through our lives. Because since the fall, no human being has ever been able to meet that need. Amen. And that's why as women especially... Because we are just so emotionally naked most of the time. We walk around with our emotions out there. And we get so easily wounded. And we are so loving in our natures and nurturing in our natures that we are just desperately looking, desperately looking for the one who will choose us and the one who will see us. Amen. But there's no other imperfect human being who can see you as perfect. How could one with imperfect eyes see perfection? Because that's what you are. You are perfection. It's just that you're looking in the wrong place to find the answers that you need that are deep inside of you. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. See, it's only when we look into the face of God that we are actually fully known. It's only when we look into the face of the one who made us that we realize that we are chosen. We have been chosen. Amen. No one else can fully know us except God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's not to say we we can't have intimate relationships. I know that in 25 years... The Lord has taught my husband and us, as it says in the scriptures, the two shall become one. The Lord has gradually taught us to get more and more physically, spiritually, and emotionally transparent before one another. But we're nowhere near there yet, and it's been 25 years. And I don't think we'll ever get there until Jesus touches us and makes us perfect, and we become like him. Amen? And so there's this expectation that no one can meet. There's this place where we, we, we want, but only a perfect God sees you perfect. Only a perfect God can look through and see you. Now, many years ago, I was searching for this perfect place, this perfect love, and I was a singer, an entertainer, Many people would say to me, now what's, what sort of music do you really love to sing? I said, I haven't found it yet. I'm still looking for this music that moves me. And I would love to sing to people. I would, like to, I would love to move them emotionally. When I'd be on stage and I would sing a sad love song and I'd see people crying, so I'd just feel it'd feel good. I knew I was able to open them up. But when it came to me, when I was back in my hotel room, I didn't want to listen to the sad love songs is I knew I was sad already. Amen. I knew I was lonely already. And I knew that I had searched the whole globe and every type of person there was, rich and poor and black and white, yet I had not found one person who could see into me yet. And my heart was crying out, is there anyone who sees me? Is there anyone who sees past the outer layers of who I am who I present to this world is there anyone who can find me inside in here and I was in this hotel room and I found this Gideon's Bible in the drawer and I pulled it out and I put it close to my chest curled up in a fetal position is there anyone who sees me is there anyone who knows me and this Bible started to get hot and the heat started to go through my body and started to fill me with waves of something. I think, what is this? What are these waves that are filling me? And in my mind, I thought these are waves of love. This is the love that you've searched for your whole life. I didn't understand it. I couldn't. I couldn't work it out. I couldn't write a book about it. Read it in a book. All I knew was what I was feeling was the feeling that I'd longed for since I since I could remember. This is the love you've searched for your whole life. And I fell asleep on that bed with that Bible. And then after a while, I woke up and I felt there was something behind me. And I spun around and the whole side of the room was just lit up white in an incredible white light. It was almost blinding. I had to go like this, like it was just so blinding. And in the middle of that light was this beautiful face. And I had not been brought up as a Christian. I hadn't been brought up with any knowledge. In fact, if someone asked me, do you believe in God? I'd say, I believe in something, you know, a force or a being. But I'm not quite sure what that being might look like, avatar or something. I don't know. But I'm not quite sure what that being or that force is. But there's got to be something. That's what I used to say. But I don't believe in a God. And I'm looking at this face, this beautiful face. He had white hair, had a white beard. He had the most beautiful blue eyes. His eyes were like the ocean. His eyes were like looking down into the depth of the ocean. Just, they just kept going, going, going. And he had this most beautiful smile. And, and when he smiled at me, it was like there was no judgment in his smile. And there was no criticism in his smile. And I knew that he didn't. I knew that he could see the stuff. I knew that he could see my sin. I knew that he could see what I had been through. I knew that he could see everything. But he chose to look past it and see into me. And his eyes went inside me, past the outer layers. And for the first time in my life, said, somebody sees me. And I knew that he knew everything about me. Everything. It was like my whole life was in his eyes. Everything about me, he knew the colours that I loved. He knew that I loved birds. He knew that I loved waterfalls. It was all going through my head. As he's staring at me, it was like an unfolding of all this beauty that he knew about me that i had even forgotten about myself because I'd become so worldly and so harsh. And I boxed myself in so hard that I didn't want anyone to see me. Do you know what I'm saying? But he see through that. He sees through walls. He walks through walls. And as he spoke to me, he didn't use words, but it was just like I could hear his spirit. And he said to me, speak my name and you'll be saved. I said, I don't know your name. And then from somewhere deep down inside me, this name started to bubble up like long forgotten rivers inside of me. And I just went, Jesus. And as I said his name, I began to cry, 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 cry like I'd never cry. I hadn't cried since I was 15 and I was 21 years old. And he said, cry, my child, and cleanse your soul. You belong to me. Follow me. From that minute on, I knew who I was, I knew where I was going, and I knew that I didn't need any other human being to see into me because I had been seen by one that saw everything and loved me completely. See, this is the God I speak of who sees you he's not a stranger to you he's not a God who sits in heaven and judges you but he is a God who longs to reach inside the depths of you and find you and you may have been a Christian for years but you've forgotten that he sees you And you've been pounding on those doors of the husband, the friend, the boyfriend, the children, the boss, the pastor. See me. Choose me. See me. Choose me. And all the time he's been waiting, just waiting, just waiting for you to look into his eyes like in that film clip. And to let him say to you, I see you, I see you, I see you. And then for you to look back at him, say, I see you, I see you. You know what? That's what it's all about. All the songs we sing, all the scriptures we read all the church services we go to, all the trying to find out if God is real, if God isn't real, it all boils down to this fact. He made you. He sees you. He chooses you. These scriptures say this. John fifteen sixteen. You did not choose me, But I chose you, Jesus said. 2 Timothy 2.13 But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you. There's another scripture that says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, that you may proclaim the praises of him, who called you out of darkness and into his glorious light. Thank you, Lord, that you see us. Amen. Would she not you close your eyes right now? Thank you, God, that you see me. Thank you, God, that you see every woman in this house. You see their uniqueness. You see how you've created them. You see the special expressions of who they are. You see their likes, their dislikes. You see their personalities. You see their frustrations. You see their pain. You see their joy. But you see their heart. Lord, you see into them. Now, God, tonight, I pray that they would have a revelation that you see them. And that they would reciprocate that by saying, God, I see you. I see you. I see you in your love. I see you in your peace. I see you in your gentleness. I see you. I see you in creation. I see you in rainbows. I see you, God. I see you in sunsets. I see you in a baby's cry. I see you, God, in an old woman's face. I see you. Everywhere I go, God, I see you. I see you. And I will continue, God, to look for you, to look into those eyes and say, I see you. I see you. I see you. Just wonder if we could just stay in our seats just for a song. Just let this song just wash over you. Listen to the lyrics, close your eyes. Just let God speak to you for a minute right where you are.